Welcome to the Paul Bunyan Podcast, everything Michigan, Michigan State. Today we will be talking Michigan State basketball, Michigan basketball, but we'll start off with National Signing Day, which was yesterday. To my right is Chris. Hey, welcome, hey, welcome everybody and super happy to be here. Uh, it's going to be a fun one and the more that uh, Michigan basketball stays, you know, um, unplayable, uh, the more we're excited to talk about when they get playing again. <laughs> And then also, you know, we're also getting started to be excited about this Michigan football season as well. So happy to be here. And Chris. Or, uh, sorry. And then, no, you Joe. just heard Chris. And then Joe. Yeah, and uh, the more I watch Michigan State basketball on the return from their 20-day layoff, the more I kind of think, you know, those 20 days weren't so bad. Hey, they're, sl- nice. they're slowly <laughs> on the up and up. They went from losing to Rutgers by 30 to taking Iowa to the wire. Yep, yep. Hopefully playing Nebraska on Saturday, but we'll get into that on a, a later segment. Kind of a story that's perfect for this podcast because there was a guy that was trying to choose between two teams uh, for National Signing Day. It was four-star defensive tackle Rayshon Benny. A month ago, I was very, very uh, confident he was signing with Michigan. And then on our last podcast, kind of a throwaway comment, you and I both agreed, Joe, that he was going to Michigan State. Yeah, I felt like he, I didn't, I don't know what I don't know what I I guess I I had some hope, but in my heart I thought oh my gosh uh, he's going to be a Spartan, and then it was really great for me to see because I think that this Rashawn Benny could maybe be better than <laughs> Rashawn Gary. It was ultimately kind of a disappointment here to be honest. So. I think we're, I think Gary was kind of built more for the NFL because the Packers like love him now. He finished yeah. the season strong. I'm not surprised that he did I, well there. But if you if you go and look at the highlight reel or like when Gary was with us, I watched him on every single play. Cued into Gary. Um, I don't think that he really kind of excelled at, at the college level. I think he played very adequately, but I think it was easy for teams to steer away from him and from Chase Winovich when they had. The two of them, and I don't think that ultimately he was on a team that he was really, really, really proud of. Um, and I'm happy for Gary's success, but I think with Benny, I think he's going to experience more success than Gary had. Yeah, and I understand the move for Rayshon Benny. It really looks like there's more immediate opportunity on the defensive line at Michigan than at Michigan State. I think where it hurts Michigan State is two years down the road, unless they recover and add a couple defensive tackles in the next recruiting class or through the transfer portal. Right now, I'm very happy with Deshaun Mallory and Jalen Hunt and Jacob Slade, but it does hurt the depth a little bit because now behind those three, you're looking at like Maverick Hansen, who hasn't played a whole lot, uh, Derek Harmon, who's going to be a true freshman this year. He's a massive dude. He's like 6'4", 300-something pounds. He's huge. 
So he, he's going to need to make sure he can move once he gets to college. But, yeah, no, I've, I've, I was a little bit cautious going to bed Tuesday night, and then I woke up Wednesday, and I was like, I'm just going to Google, see what happened. And sure enough, first thing that came up was him and Maze and Blue, and I was just like, yeah, no, I figured. I, I might get some of the details wrong on this because I will admit I am somewhat of a recruiting casual, at least compared to people that really follow it because mm-hmm. – I have a wife, but <laughs> so I can't follow high school. I'm an adult. I do like to kind of get an idea of what my team's doing, but these people that remember like 400 kids' names that are in high school, that's a little much for me. Yeah. But I think like not so much playing style, more because uh, I've I, I have to admit I haven't watched a ton of tape on him. I've just read about Gasp. him. But I think like what he could do at Michigan could be like comparable to what Raekwon Williams did at Michigan State. Raekwon Williams was the number 18 defensive tackle just outside the top 200 recruit. Benny's a number 16 defensive tackle just inside the 200 recruit. Uh, just to give backstory, originally Crystal Ball said he was going to Michigan. I don't recall if he ever verbally committed, but after State took the Paul Bunyan trophy back, he was a State commit. And it kind of seems like looking back, he may have just been frustrated with the game and kind of overreacted. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, we as sports fans can relate to that. I know <laughs> I was not very happy at the result of that game either. And when he didn't sign with State during the early signing period, that's when I kind of got bullish on him. Some of the Michigan writers were saying, you know, there's some smoke here. He could be going to Michigan. But those Michigan recruiting writers were like, it's between Michigan and Michigan State with a outside chance at Texas, but they're way down the line. The Michigan State writers were really bullish on that, and that's one of the reasons I agreed with you. I thought, okay, they seem to know something. Yeah. <clears throat> but for the people who didn't, don't follow recruiting closely, I thought that was kind of an interesting yeah. story to tell. Thankfully, later in the day, Michigan State got a recruitment from a kid that they had been pursuing for a long time, a wide receiver from Louisiana, Keon Coleman, who will also be on the basketball court for Tom Izzo as a walk-on. Uh, he, he'll once he gets on this on the roster, he'll be the tallest receiver. He's got elite quickness. He's from Louisiana, so I think it says something that Mel Tucker and and company got a wide receiver from Louisiana in their first try. I don't know. I don't think he held an LSU offer, but he had a lot of decent offers and uh, really just an electric playmaker. I've been watching a lot of tape on him, and I just knew that they've been going after Coleman for a long time. I don't know if he'll play as a true freshman, but if he does, he'll he'll add an element of excitement, height, and uh, as Mel Tucker put it, he's got a really big catch radius. So that's always exciting when you can add a playmaker like that in the late rounds. Because other than that, the only pass catcher they signed in the recruiting class was Cameron Allen, the tight end, who's also 6'4 and a really big target. But you, you definitely want to have a lot of pass catchers coming in, depending on what kind of style you're going to run. And State was kind of good, due for some good news that day because, you know, you lose out to Benny. You kind of want to get someone. You you get someone. You lose someone you were expecting. You want to get someone that you weren't expecting. Yeah, yeah. Especially to lose Benny down the road. That that hurts, man. I I hate it when that happens. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not quite as hurt as when uh, Caleb Swanigan left for Purdue. Because I have a lot of hatred for Purdue basketball in my soul. Something I can't really explain. I just do. And uh, Swanigan ended up being Big Ten Player of the Year, too. So he really Two years out. later, when Michigan State uh, was really struggling in the post, and I was like, mm. like Arthur clenched fist meme. Yeah, and Michigan, you know, they went from, I think they have one defensive tackle 
sign before that day, and he was, I believe, the lowest uh, star-rated guy on their uh, incoming class to getting three more uh, four-star defensive tackle rooks. He's the number 19 defensive tackle, top 250 recruits. Yeah. Um, one uh, service, I think it was ESPN, put him closer to a three-star in a 350 range, but uh, there's also some uh, Michigan beat writers that are speculating he might end up moving to defensive end where Michigan will need help at least down the line, maybe not immediately, um, because they also got another defensive tackle, uh, three-star Ike Iwana. I hope I Iwana, yeah, yeah pronounced that correct. Yeah, he, he was a flip from Colorado, uh, and he's a commit out of Texas, three-star um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, that was uh, good news. Uh, Michigan, it looks like they're going to stay right number 10 recruiting in the country. I got have some more news on them, but if you want to. Yeah, no, it, it was a pretty slow news day in terms of the signing day. Obviously, adding the, the early signing day in December the last couple of years has kind of made the February signing day more of like cleanup duty. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's definitely not the same as it used to be. Which is kind of sad. It is a I, little bit to me. Yeah, I do like having that early signing day in December. But, yeah, signing day now, you know, it was just the other day. We're recording this on Thursday. It just feels different. doesn't feel, like as as exciting. You know, I know a lot of, like, ones. pro fans and people that aren't, like, really big fans of college sports would mock it and stuff. But you know what? Um, in February, what do you really have? You have the Super Bowl. Granted, yeah. I'll give you that. That's really fun. Um you know, that's something. You have the NBA All-Star Game and the NHL All-Star Game, but that's also a sign that those seasons haven't really hit up. And if you're above the Mason-Dixon line, the weather outside is awful in February. You've already passed Christmas. It's just a really boring, slow news right. day. Unless you're like us and you're just obsessed with college basketball. Yeah, like it is for us. picked up as much. You know? Yeah, even that, they're, they're not. I mean, you're, you're starting to get to a home stretch. But, you know, uh, February is dreadful and... I, I welcome National Signing Day. Yeah. The early one is good because you can get those um, early enrollees on campus earlier, get the, get it, like, official and everything. But then you, you leave that door open, like, oh, this kid didn't sign. Why not? And then sometimes you see them sign with the school. Sometimes you see them flip, you know, a la what we're talking think, about right now. I think the early signing day period period two makes it harder on kids because oftentimes the coach doesn't move on until afterwards so yeah you're signing to a school that might make a and this year especially the football season was still going on when that early signing day came. yeah <laughs> uh, uh, more news for roster news for michigan football all signs point towards penn state linebacker lance dixon transferring to michigan yeah. he's originally from west bloomfield or he played at west bloomfield anyway uh, he played for new Michigan assistant Ron Bellamy. Um, as as I say, I kind of like certain staff moves Michigan's made, others I don't like. But they've really been hitting the recruiting trail hard. Uh, there's smoke out there that they might be getting some more guys out of Tennessee since uh, Tennessee's football program's in turmoil. Um, I'd also like to see them maybe – I'd definitely like them to grab a corner. I would also welcome maybe another end, defense end, or safety, yeah. um, uh, but still have issues with the O-line coach being someone who's never coached O-line as much as I like Sharon Moore. Uh, neither of the defensive coordinators have ever been defensive coordinators before. And the only coaching experience McDonald has is a graduate assistant. That's the pessimism in me. 
the optimist is like they're bringing in good guys, but under Harbaugh, all he, all the years he's been here except 2000, well, I guess it was technically 2018, February of 2018, I've actually been happy with the recruiting classes, so yeah. kind of fixed a problem that didn't exist. A little bit of news for Michigan State as well. Matt Dotson, the tight end announced he'll be back for a senior year. You, I think you're just kind of kind of see these announcements like either these seniors announce that they will come back or they'll grad transfer or they'll just move on to the NFL. So Dotson, I was kind of I was surprised he played this year because he was coming off an ACL injury, but he'll be good to have back. If if for nothing, then you know it's another body. He's got some good height. Uh, I don't think he'll be the number one tight end just because he, he hasn't really shown it. He's shown these flashes of really good play, but just never putting it together consistently and never really having the, the best hands on the team. So I still think Gillison is the number one. I still really like what Cam Allen brings, but it's going to be really good to have Dotson there too because he could surprise us and show what we all thought he had. And then obviously Mike Tressel departed to be the defensive coordinator at Cincinnati. Mel Tucker promoted from within. He made Travaris Tillman the defensive backs coach. And uh, I, I know a little bit about Tillman from his playing days. He used to play for the Dolphins back in my childhood. So he's got some NFL experience. He was with Tucker at Colorado. And I just think it's, it's good to have somebody who's got a lot of NFL experience in, the, in that area, you know, coaching that position. So it was interesting to see what he was going to do with his first decision to hire, and he decided to do an inside hire, so I think he trusts Travaris Tillman, and uh, I'm excited to see how he works with Harlan, Harlan Barnett on the defensive backs. Um, you know, I kind of gave my grades, or at least my assessment of Michigan, and just the recruit, the coaching changes and the recruits they're bringing in. I think as a Michigan State fan, and I said this on our episode last year, you have to recruit better. They finished, I think, worse this year than they did last year. I know Tucker had an uphill battle because while a lot of coaches haven't seen recruits in a year, he's hasn't seen any of these recruits. Right. But uh, he was brought in because, you know, he's been a gr- good defensive uh, coach and he's been a good recruit and a re- good recruiter. Um, and finishing 43rd and 10th in the Big Ten, I think. I mean, Michigan State's kind of had disappointing recruiting classes the last few years, and, I mean, they're 29 and 29 over the past five seasons. I think that's the reason why there's a correlation. Even some of the good recruits they've gotten haven't panned out. I see what he's trying to do with his classes, though, and I I have confidence in him. I knew this one wasn't going to be, like, great. I think it's a solid class regardless of rankings because of just the, the size you're bringing in. They recruit a lot of offensive linemen and a lot of defensive backs. I think that's where they want to build their program is on the on the line of scrimmage and then just not let the top get taken off on you uh overhead from the the passing game so i see what he's trying to do he's also hitting the transfer portal really hard which i he said they're looking to add five to ten more players in the transfer portal because they're losing some guys to nfl and just graduation yeah. too i'm so. hoping i'm hoping they get a lot of linebackers you could never have too many offensive linemen you can never have too many corners so that's what I'm looking for, but I can at least see what they're trying to do here. The last couple of years of D'Antonio, it looked like he was just recru- he, he was recruiting di- what he thought was a diamond in the rough for like every player, aside from a few that were like decent. And it's one thing when you make a solid recruiting class and you get a couple diamonds in the rough, like a Kenny Willekes or Darquez Denard. It's in a whole nother discussion 
to be banking your whole class on and state usually, everybody developing at the same time. That's just not a recipe. Traditionally, state usually, if they don't get a five-star, they usually get a few four-stars with that. Yeah. And that kind of helps. That actually makes the role of the diamond in the rough easier if they have someone else on the line right. that's like considered a blue chip. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's I know like his best recruiting class ended up going up in smoke. But he had some that were top 25, too, that yeah. were fine. And I think at Michigan State, you should expect to be top 25. You shouldn't be down there with, like, Northwestern and Indiana. You should be up there with the Iowas, the Wisconsin. I, I think that's a yeah. good expectation. Hey, man, Northwestern was in the Big Ten championship game. Yeah, and, and the, <laughs> do you want to have a – well, <laughs> Pat Fitzgerald also had a 3-9 and nine season recently. That's true. So, and I mean – there's also a very, I mean, recruiting at Northwestern's as hard as recruiting at like Stanford. So, yeah. uh, no, it's. I'm willing to give more of a pass on this one just because he took over and then the world got shut down. I'm really hoping he starts to hit on those big time recruits that he's starting to get. And there, there are a couple like fringe. There's definitely stars, some nice like players. Jay Kirk, I think, is one who flows flies under the radar. Gino Vandemark is one who's kind of like a fringe four-star. You know, he got Udrick Estime, and he flipped. He got Rayshon Benny, and he flipped. Just got to, like, is, be is the to first guy you, I, I, Is the first guy you mentioned the one that went to Notre Dame? Yeah, the running back. That hurts. Yeah. And that's the other thing is someone who went through Rich Rod, uh, the Rich Rod tenure, who they get some good players, but they were from Florida and or Virginia or, you know, random. He didn't recruit the state very well in uh, – no top 15 player from Michigan went to Michigan State. The good thing about recruiting like Michigan, Ohio, when you're in the Big Ten, is you're also taking guys away from your, the teams you're going to play. Yeah. And it really stunk that Rich Rod didn't really make the connections until he was on his way out when he got like Devin Gardner. Um, and even getting guys that Notre Dame wants. Michigan and Michigan State tend to play Notre Dame pretty regularly too. So yeah. Yeah, it's weird to see like what what do you think it is that puts a guy on a radar to be swept away from that school? Like it seems like there's not a lot of info. You know, you don't really know maybe where a guy stands. Now, if you've already had like some relationship with him and then he goes, sounds like in the case of Benny like there was like some good relationships that have been built with Michigan coaches and those guys just kind of like Kept building them a little bit stronger, but like, how do you know when a guy like has decided, but he is like in that range of like being able to be picked? Right. You know, like what, what is there like? A, how do these guys go about everywhere. that? Really? Like if Joe was a blue chipper, or even you know top five hundred back in the day. Yeah, and let's say Central Michigan offers you, and so far they're the biggest school. You're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna be playing MAC football. I'm gonna be on ESPN on Thursdays. But then he and starts. Tuesdays. Yeah, there you go. Oh yeah, they, actually, they're almost always on Tuesdays now. But like, let's say he starts building some momentum, and Michigan State offers him. That's the school he's always been rooting for. Yeah. Or like in uh, Benny, what I think is he watched that game. He was as frustrated as you and I, yeah. Chris, and we're like yeah. well, losing to Michigan and State. Yeah. And Michigan State didn't even look good. They just looked right. less bad than Michigan. It wasn't like one of those times where both teams are in the top 25. And right. he was like, I'm not going to that bunk school. Jim Harbaugh, weirdo. <laughs> like, he goes, and I think sometimes when the team loses, too, you go from thinking, oh, Jim Harbaugh, you know, he's a unique character, but he's charming, too. I don't want to go to that school. And then I think when the anger wore off. And, I mean, this is all speculation. 
But I think, you know, also you visit a few teams and it's like, why well, these guys seem like fun people to play with, whether it's the coaches or the players. And you're like, I feel like I fit in with this team or program more than I fit in with that one. Yeah. It's possible that he just gelled with the new hires at Michigan as well. My theory is still just immediate playing time is for a, a big-time recruit. That's always going to be something you don't want to shy away from. It'll be interesting if Michigan gets transfers, too, because as a Michigan fan, I'd like to see him sit out a year, not get a lot of playing time, be the backup, and have a guy in there with experience. Because for every – and I know I'm doing cross-sports analogies. For every Hunter Dickinson who just looks like he like fits in the system right, right away, there's a Zeb Jackson that looks like the game's still too fast for him. Yeah. yeah. It seems like, you know, for me – the, what I hear from the players is that the, they start to form a relationship with the coaches. And at some point, there's like, I, I just really, the, the quotes that I hear that, that seem and feel significant are like, I, I really started to gel with coach, whoever it might be. And I started to feel like we became close, you know. And, 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 and some of that is like, this guy cares about me and my family and, and where I've come from and what I'm doing. Other Other parts of it is like, Here's exactly like what we're going to be able to do with you this year, regardless of wins or losses. Here's where we're going to be able to bring you. And, and I still think, even though Harbaugh has lost some of that initial appeal from when he first became a college football coach, I still think there's some understanding that this guy knows what it takes to get to the next level. He can help me get there. And he might have lost that appeal to fans, but if you look at his recruiting hasn't lost it from there, and he's not doing it by himself. It's also the assistants. But, I mean, think about what Benny was hearing the same speculation we were. Is Harbaugh going to be gone? Is Don Brown going to be gone? Is Sean Newell going to be gone? And a lot of fans were not happy with how defensive line recruiting has been. So if he's hearing Newell might be gone, why would he want to go to that school if that's the guy he's been talking to, that's the guy who's going to determine his playing time? And uh, when Michigan kept him, that might have been – to keep Benny, you right. know. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure opposing coaches were in season using the, the contract talk a Yeah, lot. the suit band's going to be there. Why would yeah. you want to go to that school? You've been talking to Don Brown and Sean Newa. And, uh, no suit for you. Yeah. <laughs> That's my bad impression. I can't wait till Rashawn Gary gets done playing in the NFL so he can come be a coach in Michigan because I feel like there's going to be no greater recruiter and no greater blonde hair. And we could get with uh, Chase Winovich is what yeah, I'm saying. Say, sorry, what did I say, Gary? I said, yeah. Gary, I missed. Sorry, I misspoke. You know, you know who I meant. Yeah, and join Mike Hart and Bellamy and any of the other former. I think guys that played under Michigan. I think there's something like special and sacred for guys that have undergone that program. It's the same way like Harbaugh underwent that program under Bo. And I think people that have like. I think people that I think Michigan loves Michigan men, you know, that have gone through it, and I think that we've got more than enough yeah, uh, possibility for coaches in all in all in all areas um, to be kind of a part of this thing, and I think they appreciate it in kind of a unique and special way. So the upshot of kind of the news, Chris, is we were on here a month ago or a month and a half, whenever it was, and we were like, "Man, this this offensive uh, get looks great, but this." Defensive one doesn't look quite as good. Um, and they plug some holes. I wouldn't say the defensive hall is great, but it definitely doesn't look as depressing as it did. Yeah. 
And then uh, do you have any final thoughts on Michigan State before we uh, talk hoops? No, uh, I've been watching a lot of tape on the transfers coming in, like Anthony Russo and, and uh, Kenneth Walker. I'm really excited about those two. Really excited about Horst, the, the offensive tackle they got from Arkansas State. But I've, I've kind of covered all that in, in past discussions. It was just really nice to get Keon Coleman. That was, that was kind of a pick-me-up after losing Rayshon Benny because I knew they had been after Keon Coleman for a long time. You got You can never have too many offensive playmakers. I know there's only one ball on the field, but the more pass catchers, the more playmakers you get, he's somebody who looks like he can make plays in space, the better. So very happy that they got him. I think he could be an immediate impact for them if, if that's what they have in mind. But and I know our episodes it. don't always have a lot of shelf life, but if you want to hear our thoughts on the recruits, uh, it's only slightly dated, our uh, episode from December where we talk about signing day. Yeah. Um, um, Michigan State Hoops on the other side. We'll get to Michigan State Hoops on the next segment. American folklore tells the story of Paul Bunyan, a lumberjack of enormous size and strength, who along with his blue ox babe, carved the American countryside, creating many of its landscapes and natural wonders. The major logging state of Michigan has its own battle of men of enormous size and strength as the Michigan Wolverines and Michigan State Spartans square off in an annual showdown on the college football gridiron. They play for the Paul Bunyan Trophy, a fitting prize for this historic Big Ten showdown. The uphill battle that is Michigan State basketball resumed this past week, but it, uh, Mike, it was not a good showing for the first night, a no, and uh, I think you only put up thirty-seven points and uh, lost by thirty. My goodness, that's just um, there's nothing good to talk about from that game. So this is the anti-Michigan State episode, or at least people who want to yeah, mess not, with me will probably say that. But I don't remember how quickly we got on air last year after Michigan State hired Mel Tucker, but Mel Tucker announced he was coming to Michigan State like two minutes after Michigan State had just <laughs> yeah. won like a, a back-and-forth, extremely exciting game at Illinois. And I was like, this is awesome. And then jumping ahead a little bit, but Tuesday night Michigan State lost a back-and-forth, heartbreaking game at Iowa. And then I wake up Wednesday morning to find Benny flipped. And it was like the polar opposite of uh, last February when we beat Illinois and Mel Tucker's coming, Tuck coming, and uh, then, <laughs> you know, well, we also recorded the episode about Luke Fickle. And yeah, we I were, thought for sure Luke Fickle was coming. And I was a bit more measured. Excuse me. I was a bit more measured. you think I'd had like a burrito before we went on air. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the worst performance of the season, I think, watching Michigan State this year and doing this podcast, I probably watch more of their games than I yeah. usually do, uh, was against Rutgers. I will give them a slight pass. Um, just because it was their first game back, but I mean I, nobody nobody looked good. Nobody ever got. They almost through. doubled up on it was, uh, Michigan it was State. Fourteen to nothing, pretty quickly. And Rutgers wasn't doing anything special. They were just getting into the lane, getting into the lane, and just easy baskets. And I was like, Thomas Kithier is the worst basketball player I've ever seen with my own two <laughs> eyes. You were texting me, and I didn't know what to say back because I don't want to fuel your anger, but I also don't want to be disingenuous and try right. to, like, comfort you. It's a, a no-win situation. Yeah. If I, <laughs> I don't fault anybody if I angry text them during a game and they just don't respond. Rutgers, too, is 
They're the second tier of the Big Ten. Yeah, they're yeah, formidable. The point of the season was against Rutgers, and now your worst loss of the season is what? against Rutgers. Yeah, that doesn't help you. They're six and six in the Big Ten. They're projected as an eight or nine seed. They're formidable, but we thought they might be better than last year. I think last year they were projected as a ten seed. They're kind of the same, maybe slightly better on offense. Yeah, in that game, Michigan State only had eight assists, season high twenty one turnovers. Leading scorer had seven points. That was Aaron Henry. And the first half wasn't that bad because it got off to that horrible start where it was like 14-0, then it was 17-2. But they they chipped back. They got it to within four a couple times, I believe, and then fell apart at the end of the first. And they only had 20 points at halftime. And I was like, whoa, that was a bad half. And then that ended up being their best half. Offensively, (laughs) they only scored 17 in the second half. Rutgers is a world beater, but like I said, that's their first game back. But the bad news is, if you're a Michigan State fan, is I think you played your best game against Iowa, at least in a while. You played your worst game against Rutgers. Where you probably are is the Ohio State game where you're playing one of the better teams in the Big Ten. And it's the the, the, you're down between 8 and like 18 the whole game. Yeah, moving on to that game from Sunday at Ohio State. Spartans were a bit more competitive for the start of the game, but then Aaron Henry got into some early foul trouble. You saw them hanging around between two to six points for most of the first half until Henry picked up that second foul, and then you were looking at 10 to 12 points throughout most of the first half. Buckeyes would lead by 20 or more at a few points. It It was still bad. The turnovers were still, they were a bit better. They only turned it over 10 times, but still only 11 assists. Uh, you saw Langford get going a little bit with 14 points, but he played 32 minutes. I know Izzo didn't want that to happen. The combination of Kithier and Hauser on the court at the same time is defensively horrible. Like, Hauser at least brings something offensively, and Kithier, I know he's got a good head. You know, he's in the right position. He's just getting beat from the right position every time because he doesn't have any athletic ability to him. If he could, you should never have them on the court at the same time. You should have Hauser playing 33 minutes and Kithier playing like seven. Right. I, I, I do think Bingham is coming into his own and developing more of a role, and I think Izzo is starting to trust him more. And I think we will see more Bingham than Kithier. And I, I still think... Until Joey Hauser starts scoring, which he showed a little bit Tuesday night at Iowa and a little bit more on Sunday against Ohio State, he had 11. Malik Hall brings a lot more defensively and effort-wise and rebounding that maybe he should be getting more minutes, not the start because you want to give Hauser the opportunity. I still think you want to give Unless he just really doesn't start scoring in double digits. I would, he, he needs to. That's, yeah. That's, that's what did he get against he Iowa? Do you know how many points he had against Iowa? Because that's, that's the perfect he, team. Yeah, he had 10 points, 9 rebounds, uh, 3 assists. So it was his best showing in a while. He yeah. he was in foul trouble as well. That's that, something I'll get into on that game. That's not, if you're not playing good defense, Iowa's the worst team to play. But if you want to get better on offense, and I, we, we probably shouldn't skip over the Ohio State game. Yeah. I like Malik Hall. I, I could be probably talked down to giving Hauser 25 or 30 minutes to get Malik Hall 10 to 15. Kithier, you, you got to play one of your, your, your young bigs. Or, or play Marcus yeah. Bingham. You, 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 Kithier should, should only be spotting guys. If, and, and once Gabe Brown gets healthy, he needs to be in there too. I understand the frustration that Tom Izzo has with Marcus Bingham because if Marcus Bingham plays to his ability – the sky's the limit. Like, he is Michigan State's best player if he's playing to his ability. But 
he just does not play anywhere near his ability. And that's not all his fault. He he was a scrawny kid playing guard, and then he shot up to, like, 6'11". He's had trouble keeping weight on. But he's got the length. He's got the scoring ability. It's, it's a lot between the ears, and it's a lot uh, just, like, in his legs, you know? I, I, I think he's still got Jaron Jackson or Adrian Payne-type abilities if he can just have, like, a normal offseason where he can put it together. But I'm worried he's going to hit the transfer market after this season. He will never adjust to the college game and the speed of the college game if he's not playing. Exactly. And uh, and it's been apparent for a couple weeks now that this might not be the season for Michigan State to be perfect. It might be a season to experiment a little because you have weird pieces and and you're trying to put square pegs and round holes or however that goes. I think one of the reasons Michigan State – wasn't able to get a point guard transfer that would make all these players' jobs easier. It's because they were banking on Rocket Watts being kind of a point guard hybrid, and he's not able. He just, for whatever reason, he's not not a point guard. And I think a lot of transfers were like, oh, Rocket Watts, he's going to be the returning guard. He had a pretty good freshman year, you know, and – And the fact that he's not the guy for that position has made everyone else's roles harder. Yeah, you got to get that straightened out because it's looked like Hogard at times, and then it's looked like Watts, and now Lawyer started against Iowa, which... They need to start Hogard. You think so? Yeah, because I think it might pay off down the line. I I think you need to develop these two-man rotations. Like, who's playing at the two has to revolve on who's playing at the one. I think... When lawyers play in the one, I think Rocket Watts needs to be at the two because I think those two play really well together. There's just something about Watts with a true point guard like Lawyer on the floor who's been in the system longer than him where he can play off of him. We saw it last year with Cassius Winston. Obviously, Foster Lawyer is not Cassius Winston. I'm not saying that. But Lawyer is very smart. I, I, I do consider Lawyer a good basketball player. He's just in a, a hobbit's body, you know? So, <laughs> like, I feel bad for Lawyer because he's got all the skills that, like, a good point guard needs, and he's got all the basketball knowledge. The coaches talk about how his basketball IQ all the time. He's just so small. Like, he's just so short. I just think um, whatever your answer is for next year, if Hogard has – some experience it might make like Aiken's job yeah. easier or a transfer if you want to go that and route then, yeah Hogard I think plays better with Langford on the floor because Langford is more level-headed he's like more low low blood pressure he's more experienced obviously he's in his fifth year so I, I think those are the rotations you need to have and then Gabe Brown wasn't available for the the three games Based on the whole how the season has gone, I don't know how much playing time Izzo would have given Gabe Brown, just because that's been one of the more frustrating things. But Iowa would be the perfect get right game for Gabe oh, Brown. Yeah, absolutely. I think Gabe Brown's good. Um but yeah, I mean, speaking of Langford, if you have a point guard that can throw it to Langford and he can just Catch spot and up, yeah. yeah. Same same with a uh, Hauser too, because that's kind of his bread and butter. Yeah. I think that's where Aaron Henry needs to do a better job is drive to the lane and then either look to score or look for Langford or Hauser. That's that's what I thought when this team was looking really good in November and early December was when Watts and Henry were getting to the paint and either scoring or getting fouled or passing it off to Langford or Hauser. And Watts just 
wasn't hitting shots in late December and just has kind of like shied away from the ball. We haven't really seen him score much. With Iowa, it's the race to 85, and neither team hit 85. So I will give them some credit there. Yeah. So that, that game Thursday or Tuesday night was the best the Spartans looked in the three-game stretch. They shot 40% from the floor, 12 for 29 from three, uh, 16 assists, which was their highest of the three-game stretch, and then eight turnovers, which was the lowest of the three-game stretch. It was just the foul trouble and then the, the bad decisions and key moments that got the best of the team. Offensive boards, I would say, yeah, too. Iowa shot 23 of 35 from the free-throw line. MSU was 10 for 15. Luca Garza alone attempted 14 free throws. He almost had as many as the whole Spartans squad did. Like, Bingham only played 11 minutes because he was always drawing fouls, and he got the start. And he showed some really nice things, but they had a chance. I, I really appreciate the mental strength and just wherewithal to hang around in that game. I know Iowa doesn't play a whole lot of defense, but just the the – it looked like they quit against Rutgers. It looked like there was there was quit in a lot of players Sunday at Ohio State, especially late because they yeah. they were getting it kind of close. And then I, Tuesday oh, I, Tuesday there was no quit, and I really appreciate that from this group of kids because it, it made the game, albeit heartbreaking, exciting to watch. Yeah, and that's the type of effort they're going to need to show from here on out. Because I think I think we're on the same page. Everybody's kind of thinking this is the year that the streak breaks. Who knows, but you've got to start playing with urgency if, if anything's going to come together and happen for you. I think, uh, I, think it was, I think it was when it was updated. Maybe not all of the brackets have been updated, but not long after Iowa, I checked bracket matrix. I think it had Michigan State as the fourth team out, which I actually thought it might be worse than that because yeah. um, that still puts them on the bubble. You could point to, like, fouls or offensive boards as the reason they lost um, against Iowa. But what I really put it on is they were leading most of the first half. They got off to that hot start. Yeah. Even if you don't keep that lead that you initially had, um, by the end of it, you lose the lead, and Iowa is up by five going into a break. Uh, Iowa is missing, what, you said 23 for 45 for the free throw line? Uh, 23 of 35. Okay. But they definitely were shooting poor free throws. I think the percentage was worse earlier in the game. Yeah. So they're kind of leaving you an opening to win. But it kind of felt like State didn't finish the second half as strong as you like. And think about it. If if the, it's tied at halftime or you have a lead, you lose by six. You, lost, you, you gave up a lead and you let Iowa get ahead by five going into the break. If you eliminate that five points... Do you win? Is it even closer? Right, right. You know, I was not shooting well from the free throw. You start fouling late, you might win that game. There, there were a lot of points in the second half where I was just like, okay, this is the point where I turn it off. This is the point where it's over. And they got it down to two, and they had the ball with under a minute left. And uh, Josh Langford missed a shot. It, it did look like it was going to go in, and it came out. It was, obviously, hindsight is always going to be twenty twenty, but... I thought it was a bad shot when he took it because Langford was not on the catch and shoot. And that's where if he catches and shoots, he's really good. If he takes even one dribble that he's got a high percentage shooter from inside the arc. But when he's kind of dribbling around looking for somebody to help him and then just decides to dribble it into a corner, almost into a trap, and then do that little like pivot spin and like Kobe fade away. I just don't see that convert very often. I think they were out he of time. He looked like me in the point. kitchen 
throwing away like a, <laughs> a napkin or something. When he took it, I was like, oh, that's a bad shot. Oh, yeah. it might go in. And then it like rimmed out. Yeah, obviously if it went in, then we'd be like, whoa, yeah. this is a great shot by Langford. What a senior leader we have on this team. But it didn't. Obviously, that's not the shot I wanted. I, I would have preferred Henry taking that shot just because I think he's the leader. I think you got to be the one taking it, or at least you got to have the ball in your hands and maybe get fouled or something. But if Langford's going to be taking that shot, I want him off the, the catch and shoot or off one dribble. But th- their offensive sets have just been so clunky that it's been really difficult for them to get any anybody, mm-hmm. Langford, Langford and Hauser especially, anybody a, a shot off the off the catch. So the, it's been difficult. The bubble's kind of weird this year. So even if you kind of think this Michigan State team isn't very good, you know, this Iowa game could have been one that kind of keeps hope alive. And yeah. unfortunately... I look at, like, I still think at Duke is a decent win. I know Duke's not very good. But still, that's that's a game that you won. Like, if, if you had lost, it would have been bad. But since you won it, it's a decent win. I still think... Beating Rutgers by 23, even though you turned around and lost to them by 30, that's a, still a decent win. That looks like the better one because Rutgers is yeah. like right at the eight or well, nine. Well, Duke really is like now is that Purdue game because Purdue has looked like a really good, not really good, but an even or above even team with Michigan State, and you let that one slip. That's that's the one that hurts the most right now. They're the sixth team out right now, Michigan State, and Duke is the last team in. They'd be doing a play-in game with uh, Maryland. Gotcha. So, I, I think then Duke win the other night, and that because they were like I think under Michigan State the last time I looked at this. Yeah. So that may have helped a little bit, but I mean that bubble. I mean you have Maryland, Seton Hall, Utah State, and Duke. Even and then the last team out is Syracuse, and the third team out is Penn State. So like I said, the bubble's not strong. Right, and I think we might see some schools opt out of kind of like how we saw a lot of schools opt out of bowl games, but I'm not sure. Um. Nebraska game Saturday, I'm kind of hesitant to talk about that one because I, I do think it will get canceled, even though we're recording this on Thursday, two days away from the game. But the Cornhuskers haven't played since January 10th. No word as of yet, but a little part of me would be surprised if the game is played. Yeah, and I mean, it's good rival fodder because I think right now they're the two last, they're at number 13 and 14 in the standings. Yeah, that Northwestern loss is just horrible. Yeah, because right if, you, if you win there, you... You flip with them because they're right. like right above. And it was just such an ugly loss, and Northwestern is not good. No, they were ranked after that, but. Yeah. So then you've you got Nebraska Saturday, Penn State, and Iowa coming to the Breslin Center after that. Then you're at Indiana and. I'm sorry, at Purdue, at Indiana, at Ohio, or Ohio State at home. You got to go at least 500 if you want to have any hope. Obviously, you got to look at Iowa, at Nebraska, and Penn State as wins. Hopefully, you really got to win those two because if you lose them, that would be a bad loss. And then you look at Iowa at home. Maybe you get another good shooting night. Maybe Gabe Brown's available. Maybe you don't get such a disparage in the free throw attempts, and you know take better care of the ball, even though they only turn it over eight times on Tuesday. And then you look at at Purdue, at Indiana. At Purdue, I don't think you win, but at Indiana, that one could be a toss-up. And then you have to win Ohio at some State. point if you want any momentum. You, gotta, you don't yeah. want the players to quit. Some players exactly. might quit. So okay. this this two-game stretch, Nebraska and Penn State, extremely important right now for team morale, for just getting something going. You just you got to win them. 
And I think uh, on the other side, we can talk Michigan. Talking Michigan hoops. I can't wait for them to play again. Uh, like I said, I don't think it's outrageous to say that they weren't just beating teams, but they were embarrassing them. They were winning by not only double digits, but 20-something. Uh, right. Like getting leads 15, up. 15 plus in almost every all of their wins. It, to, and that's with the garbage time numbers starting at eight minutes, four minutes, six minutes against Wisconsin, ten minutes. Uh, what was their highest uh, lead against Wisconsin? I think it got it up to like 40. 30, 40? I think they got it up to 40. Was it like 69 to 29? Got, it, got, it got incredible. I mean, what we were out, we were we were winning by double from the, for the majority there. And then it just look it just it gets so fun when we're gelling on both sides of the court and we're just playing so well. And then we swap out three guys, don't lose any momentum, offensively or defensively. It's as good of a it's a good of uh, it's as good as I've seen a team play uh, that I've ever witnessed. And that includes the Fab Five teams. That includes some of the best years that we had. Under John Beeline, this is, I mean, this is the best season of college basketball as a Michigan fan that I could ever experience, and it's hard to imagine being any better. The last, the last time they won a game by less than 15 points was New Year's Eve against Maryland. Yeah, and Maryland was shooting lights out that game. Yeah. At one point, they were shooting like 80% from three. Uh but Michigan, 69, Wisconsin, 12, 29. That's the tweet. That's uh, from Matt Norlander, a college basketball writer. Timestamp 827, January 12, 2021. And that was the game where the, the garbage time was 10 minutes. And right. Wisconsin slowly got it back down to 23, which I think is what Michigan went yeah, by. 77-54. Uh, and that's why uh, when Michigan lost, you know, it was really a bigger swing you know, when they lost to Minnesota at Minnesota, you know, you what did they lose by? They lost by quite a bit. 18. Yeah, and that's yeah, why I don't really cons- – I didn't really – I wasn't alarmed by that, which they did bounce back by because that's a 41-point swap. But if you really think about it, Michigan's winning by 40 against Wisconsin. You're talking about a 58-point flip. Yeah. So I, I, I kind of look at it as an outlier. Michigan's actually been pretty good on the road. They actually beat Purdue on the road, who's a good team. Uh, so, I mean, it wasn't it, – I definitely did not sound the alarm there. Right, right. Now, to be fair, I mean, we, were, we recorded that same day. There wasn't any panic in the room or anything like that. Not yeah, at all. If, if anything, being off, you know, all these other Big Ten teams are playing each other and beating up on each other. Michigan's sitting there with one loss. Obviously, you want to be playing, but... They hadn't played in 12 days, and just now, finally, Ohio State eclipsed them in the win column. Yeah. Uh, Purdue, by the way, is on bracket matrix, a six seed. So beating them by 18 or whatever it was uh, at Purdue, it's no small feat. I should probably bring up uh, Michigan's schedule because a lot of these I'm um, kind of going off. Uh, see, they won by 17 at Purdue. Yeah. That's an impressive one. Uh, that was their last game. Yeah, and I think their next game will be 
uh, against Wisconsin on uh, Valentine's Day because it sounds like even if uh, they're given the go-ahead to play at Illinois, the coaches and players would rather get some practices in. Yeah, that's smart. And I yeah. just think with so many teams uh, missing games that uh, that uh, they should just push the schedule back. And I think what would have been the Big Ten tournament week, they should just have makeup games played there because every team it looks like is going to miss three or four. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think the Big Ten tournament's not as important. I as, still I still don't think they need to start the the NCAA tournament on schedule. Like no. they can delay that by a week or two. I I will go to my grave saying they should have done that last year, just delay it until like April or middle of April or May, but Yeah, I, I would be in agreement. Yeah. I just like I'm okay with because, uh, you know, Michigan had some games scheduled against the heavyweights. This year, I'm, I want to see those games. I'm not scared. Yeah. Like, I, I want to play good. Iowa. Yeah, I, mean, I want to play Illinois. I, I want to play Wisconsin again. Like, I'm okay with uh, I, I, I'm okay with Michigan playing 20 games. Just push the schedule back. Yeah. Uh, even try – I know they've been trying to do this, but sometimes where there's gaps, they'll uh, put a game in. I'm fine. I, I'm, I'm excited for Michigan to play. And if they come out and don't look – uh, crisp against Wisconsin. Wisconsin gets their win back at the Troll Center. It will be just like the Minnesota game. I will sound an alarm because they're probably going to look sloppy that first game. Yeah. They're not going to be Michigan State versus Iowa. They're going to be Michigan State versus Rutgers. There's going to be that hangover where they play below their level. I don't know if it'll be that bad. That was pretty bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, if uh, there's screenshots out there of Wisconsin uh, beating Michigan by 30 the same uh, year that Michigan was up 40 against them, it'll kind of make our screenshots a little less delicious. <laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, looking ahead, they probably won't play against Illinois. They have Wisconsin on Valentine's Day. They have Rutgers after that, and then Ohio State. And uh, really, I'm looking at that whole Ohio State game because Ohio State's technically in third at nine and four in the Big Ten standings. With I believe who's eight and three? There's someone right above them. Illinois. Illinois is at eight and three. So I mean, that's gonna be a that 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 could be a game that really decides the conference. Yeah. That's I don't too- know. I don't know if Illinois had like COVID issues, but they've played. They're twelve and five right now. It looks like Ohio State and Iowa both played two more games. They're both at 19. Or Wisconsin, I mean, Iowa's at 18 games. So uh, I'm not sure if that's that's anything. And I think that's the clear top tier of the Big Ten. There was a time where I wasn't necessarily sure I'd put um, Ohio State in there, but they've definitely shown shown that they – that they deserve it. Sorry, just <laughs> video start okay. over here. But um, yeah, I'm excited um, to see if I have any other thoughts. Yeah, I wrote down a couple things. Uh, uh, when they're healthy, I feel like Michigan's really strong team because they have six guys I would consider real legit ballers. Yeah, That's their starting five. Eli Brooks proved his worth when he didn't play against Minnesota. Michigan's one loss. Uh, Livers, Franz... And uh, Dickinson are all world beaters. Uh, I would consider Livers and Franz and the top ten players in the Big Ten. Uh, I saw a list going around. I think I ended up with Franz as number six, and I had Livers at like eight or nine. Yeah. Uh, Hunter Dickinson's probably the best freshman in the Big Ten. If he's not, he's definitely in the discussion. I'm surprised at how well Mike Smith has just. Yeah, the, I thought point guard was going to be a point where. Um 
point of position where opposing teams could kind of attack and take advantage of. But no, Smith has been really good, and then having him and Brooks on the court at the same time, that's been a really good move. Yeah, I thought from day one. I thought they were going to be forcing him having Franz and Brown on the wings, and Brooks as the starting point with Smith coming off the bench, and they've really been able to bring Brown off the bench, who's also one of the best defensive players in the league, along with Franz and Livers yeah. and, and Brooks. You know, they have four legit guys uh, that are really good defensively. And as the season's gone on, they've uh, moved. They they're a team that's in the top ten in both defense and offense, which makes them da- dangerous. And then there's seven and eight guys. Uh, Johns and Davis are both guys that can do a couple things, and uh, right. they bring a couple like things to the table that they do well. So when you're giving them five, ten, even twelve minutes in a game, it's like you feel comfortable with it. And then it's nice too because even though Davis and Johns, I think have. Davis has some clear weaknesses, and Johns is still not quite where you want him to be. But uh, you don't have to depend too much on them, especially when uh, Michigan's healthy. And that's what makes them a dangerous team. Yeah. And do you have anything you'd like to add to the Michigan basketball discussion, Chris? I mean, I guess if I could say anything, it would just be that I wish they were on the court. And it makes me sad to see a team that's not just playing – well and playing like the best team in the country but also a team that's really enjoying uh what they're doing right now so i just uh, feel for the players and i wish that we were able to be out there and i wish we were able to have games but um i hope that this is the last kind of vacation that they have i hope we're able to stay healthy throughout the big 10 tournament in the the big dance and get to see what these guys can do and look i'm not i'm not gonna be disappointed with anything we we have an exciting year this year and another one to look forward to next season, but I would love to see what these guys can do uh, with some really good competition, especially in the Sweet 16 and the Final Four. If Imagine Michigan versus Baylor. Get there. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to see this team against Baylor and Gonzaga and some of the best of the best. Baylor's because the only I think, team I'd be afraid of at all. And yeah. I, I wouldn't be afraid. Yep. But I'm That's like, the only team that, that you think, these guys could beat us. Yeah. But – if we play our A game and we play like I know that we're capable of, it's it's tough to imagine us losing to anybody. Zag is a bunch of scrubs. I saw Xavier Simpson take them to school. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, I, I do. I, I think if I was to rank Michigan, the only team I would probably put in front of them is Baylor, who did look very good against a top-10 Texas team the other night. Um, I, I, I If Michigan plays like they have been, that might be our championship game is Baylor versus Michigan. Right. Yeah. And depending on how things go, we might not even face them. But yeah, I think, look, I, I think we're the best team in the country. I think if we have a healthy team in March, I think we have a better chance than anybody to go all the way. And it wouldn't surprise me if we do it. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if we win at all. Um, having said that, if we get to the you know, Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final Four, have a close loss, fine. But we're also bringing a great class in next season too, so nothing so much, but optimism for my for my set. So much about the tournament too is just matchups. You, you you can lose to a team that might have less talent than you, but they just have talent in the right places or they do the right things. I also thought uh, Beeline was so good at preparing on just quick turnarounds. Gets two days to prepare for a team they've never played before, and that was a plus. I've never seen Juwan Howard coach in a tournament. 
he's been an A++ since being here. I don't think anyone expected it to go this well unless... Sometimes it takes something like emotional to happen, too. Like, I think back to the first year that Beeline went to the championship where we played that Louisville team. If that kid hadn't broken his shin halfway you know, you know, yeah. half down the shin, and the bone wasn't exposed. Oh God! I don't know if that. I, I don't know if that team wouldn't have the same kind of like. Sometimes it takes something to propel you into the next kind of stratosphere right. because you're playing on par with teams yeah. that are playing really well too. 2017, that Michigan basketball team that was kind of on the bubble, but pretty, they felt like they were in, but they were kind of on the bubble heading to the. Big Ten tournament, the the plane yeah. has some issues. That's, a, that's a great that's a great example. They they yeah. show up in, in their practice uniforms, wipe the floor with Illinois, and just one of the hottest teams in the country. Yeah, exactly. and then get them, yeah, exactly. 2018 yep. too, the next year, uh, they have the Big Ten tournament really early. So there's that 12 day layoff between that and the regular tournament. I think they had it in New York that year. Yeah, and Michigan's one of the hottest teams in the country again, and they win the tournament. I was I was so mad when they move the Big Ten tournament up a week just to have it in Madison Square Garden. I was like, really? So you're going to have everybody have like a week off after what everyone else And Michigan came out cold in their first game. They really didn't play that well against yeah, Houston. Yeah, they nearly lost to, yeah. And then yeah. they almost lost to Houston too because yeah. they almost lost to the lower seed. But that Big Ten championship yeah. game, I'm so glad it was at Madison Square Garden because yeah. they got to attend all the games. I saw all the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday games. They got to see us beat Michigan State in the semifinal and beat Purdue in the final. They had the Twins. And most gratifying moment for me, you know, was just seeing all those state fans walk out of uh, Madison Square Garden, you know, kind of uh, deflated. A lot of them talking a lot of shit beforehand. You saw a lot of Spartans kind of walk out of the stadium there, and it felt like, okay, this is our year. Okay, this is our this is a Michigan Wolverine year. And then, sure enough, and then we didn't lose another game until the championship, which was incredible. So What was nice about that team is when the offense wasn't clicking versus Houston, they had a very good defensive team. And what's nice about this year's team is if the defense isn't clicking, they have offense. And if the offense isn't clicking, they have defense. But I think sometimes when you're losing rhythm because of long delays, that's what helped them against Houston. If uh, the defense wasn't playing well, Jordan Poole doesn't even have the opportunity to hit a game winner. Right. Um, so, that, I mean, they might look bad the first game back, but I'm pretty confident, confident this team can recover. And, we'll get uh, together. You know, and this could be a real special year. Other than that, I think we got to everything we wanted to on this episode. Yeah, follow us on social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. You can email the show at paulbunionpod at uh, gmail.com. Rate us on Apple Podcasts or any other platforms. It's social I proof. The old email in a while, but that one's usually pretty. We need to dust that one off. See if anybody's sent us anything. We definitely have had ones before. Like I said, I might get some uh, hate mail because uh, I'm down on the hoop, Michigan State hoops, and uh, How dare uh, football. You be down on such a and since I root for the wrong team, I'm gonna. I might get criticism, uh, but. Um, February means we're in the home stretch of college basketball season, and next time we see you guys, I think we'll have a, a much better idea of where the Big Ten regular season will go. Yeah. All right, until next time. Thanks, guys.